It's important for us to understand this because most of us come to God and we say, hey, I've got my faith. But Peter, encouraging their growth, says, add to your faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and add to your faith some love. He also encourages that if we do add these things that he lists, he says, you would not be barren in your journey with God. But he says, however, if we do not add to our faith and grow, we'll, be, we'll become short-sighted and even to the point of blindness and even in some cases forget that we've ever been changed. So as you can see, when living a righteous life, becoming saved is just the beginning. You also have to walk the walk. Senior Pastor George Martin Jr. continues his sermon series. And today, he talks about Noah, a preacher of righteousness. Follow along in 2 Peter, verses 1 through 5, as Pastor Martin explains. Last week, as we were studying, we discovered that in Noah's day, wickedness it was prevailing, violence was, the earth was filled with violence. So it was necessary that God would raise up Noah that he would begin to preach righteousness in an unrighteous time. The Bible gives us very little information regarding Noah's occupation prior to God's calling of him to build the ark. But we can assume that he had developed some carpentry and building skills as he does not resist the instruction that God gives him to take on such a large building project. As you can see from the video, as, he's, as they're building, it was a massive, massive effort. And Noah does not appear to reject this idea. So we can assume that he had some knowledge to be able to accomplish what God was charging him to do. However, there are some descriptors of Noah that we find in other parts of Scripture that help us to provide some insight regarding this extraordinary man. Moses, through the revelation of God, helps us understand that he was a just man. So we see that in Genesis where he's called a just man and, and also that he was a man who walked with God. We begin to understand that he's a just man who walked with God. Therefore, God could entrust him with such a large undertaking. We could see there that God is acknowledging the fact that I found someone because as we ended last week, we said we saw that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then the, he, the writer of Hebrews actually describes him as a great man of faith and of godly fear because in the 11th chapter, it speaks of how he moved with godly fear in faith and built the ark even though it seemed that it would be something that be insurmountable or too large scale for someone or an undertaking that you say, well, why, does it, why would I build an ark, a ship, in land? But he believed God when God said, you don't have to worry about getting the ship to the water because the water is going to come to you. Finally, the apostle Peter then describes him in our text today as a preacher or a herald of divine truth because he describes him specifically as a preacher of righteousness during his time. When widespread unrighteousness is prevailing, God uses him to preach 
righteousness. We will consider Noah this week and as this herald that God raises up, but we're also going to consider how his message of righteousness is applicable today. That even now, even today, it's important for us to understand that righteousness is still what God is looking for, even in unrighteous times. So if we would consider our times, we can conclusively state this. And if you would agree with me, you would, you would say that we live in ungodly times. We live in ungodly times. And that it's increasingly so. Every day it seems that we see something else that's getting further and further away from the truth of God, further and further away from how God designed or desired for mankind to live. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, we find that in the Garden of Eden, there was a purity and a, a righteousness that Adam and Eve had before the fall. And so God, because of the sin in them, it separated them from him, but he designed a means by which to bring us back together. But he's bringing us back together in relationship with him. But when we think about righteousness, we talk about right relationship with him. So we understand that Noah was preaching and teaching right relationship with God. And we, if we look at our times today, we, Paul's description that he gives in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, is applicable today because there Paul describes the times that we live in as perilous times. Perilous times. We study, and he also he describes perilous times being last days. And we look at the definition of perilous, we understand that perilous is, a uh, part of the definition is a loss of strength or reducing of strength. It used to be that you would see that people had enough strength to, just to, to control themselves better. Now, those that have millions of followers just grab their phone and tweet something out there that's so abstract and so far out, and then come back and say, I'm sorry, I don't know what frame of mind I was in. The things I sent out, but wait a minute, you didn't send a line, you sent a paragraph. You sent multiple texts. It was a stream of texts, stream of tweets. So there's a reduction of strength. We also understand from the definition that we're living in difficult times. Anybody pulled up to the pump lately? You almost want to just go up and close your eyes. Because in looking at that, we see the economy, we see trouble, we see famine, we see all kinds of things going on in the world that's making it dip more difficult to function and live. We also live in times that part of perilous, the definition includes, full of danger. Even the suburbs is not, is, is not excluded from violence. A young man walking in an upper-scale area of Chicago's walking around. He, he was a student, a culinary student, walking home at 3 a.m. Some men walked up, tried to take his bag and his cell phone. What could a student have that's worth robbing? As he tries to fight back, they shoot him. 
He's hanging on for dear life right now. Dangerous times, times full of danger, times that are very risky. You can just go to enjoy yourself at an event and find out somebody there has stirred up something and violence has ensued. Furious times. I have not seen people as angry as they are now. I shared this some weeks ago, some months ago. We're driving now. George and I are going to the pet store. We're driving past, and we hear some shouting because we had the windows down. We're enjoying some of the air. The fresh air is blowing in. And I hear someone yelling. When I look over to my right, there's a lady who's walked from her car to the car in front of her. She's standing outside the car door yelling at the driver. Fears. Unsafe, hazardous times. So we understand that as Paul gives us this description, if you would just take a quick survey of social media, local, national, global news, if you would consult some of the statistics and the research that we have available to us, you will find that we, it's confirmed that we're living in perilous times far more than any other time in history than any other time in history. But then we see through scripture that Noah lived in a similar time. Because look at some of the descriptors that we find from scripture about Noah's time. It says, men's wickedness was great. Can you agree that we see that today? Uh, Humanity's thoughts and its intents is evil. We're conjuring up new ways to dishonor God. New ways to blaspheme against truth. Even things that start out good end up being bad. Facebook started out good. Hey, I can connect with people everywhere. But it also became that girlfriend from high school trying to connect with somebody else's husband. Hey, how you doing? It's been a while. Oh, man. How are you doing? You know, we ought to meet up. I'm going to be in Dallas in August. Started out good. Connecting is not a bad thing. But it also became a platform for people to spew all kinds of things. That, that confuse the mind and causes all kind of destructive things. We look around and we say the earth is filled with violence. That was another descriptor of, of Noah's time. Filled with violence. Every state in the United States, every country in the world is now experiencing more homicide, and violent acts than in any time of recorded history. Filled with violence. Widespread corruption before God. There are those who will stand and and say they represent God and have no sense of who and what he desires, who he is or what he desires, and yet there's so much corruption 
Churches are springing up where there are those who are teaching and preaching things that are not even biblical. And people are flocking because, he says, Paul says in the last days, there will be itching ears. So I don't, the Bible stands against my lifestyle. So I go to a church where they don't preach against that. Or I go to a place where they affirm that that's okay. The Bible says very clearly that it should, that God made man and woman, man and woman, and that a one man for one woman, and yet there are places, and literally there's a church, there are churches that are springing up, whereas there's a pastor and the first man. Corruption before God. Corrupt usage of the body. I'm going to change what I was born to be because I see myself as something else. See, here's the thing we need to understand, church. The issue that we hear, keep talking about uh, abortion. Abortion is not the issue. The issue, because you, there has to be something that happens before you get to the abortion. So you don't wake up and you're ready for an abortion. There's some other stuff that took place. That's the stuff God is concerned with to keep us from having to have the argument about abortion. So we see corrupt usages of the body because it says all flesh was corrupted. So here's, a, here's what we must understand. As we look at the two times, something becomes very glaring. It's this. As with Noah's preaching, today, sound biblical teaching and the light of the born-again believers has become increasingly necessary in the world we live in so that we can begin to Hold up the light in a dark world. So the more we see, then the more we understand the need for God's calling upon us to walk in the light as he is in the light. And to, and to consider ourselves those who are light bearers, that God did not raise you up with light to put you on the bushel. He raised you up as one who bears light that he might put you on a stand that you may give light to all that are in the house. The church, God is calling for us to stand up for righteousness, not to be hateful and hate and have hatred, but to stand up in truth, speaking truth in love. Because you're not going to reach anybody using derogatory terms. You're not going to reach someone's heart if they don't believe they can come to you when they have their questions. We have to speak truth, seasoned with grace and love. We must still recognize right and wrong, but how we respond, we must respond steadfastly with love and grace. 
there's, there's a need to establish, because we're here, and I primarily grabbed this text from, from Peter uh, so that we could see him declare Noah as a preacher of righteousness. So I need to give you some context for his letter. So leading the, 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 the primary aim, there's three primary aims we can grab from Peter's intent when he wrote this letter to the, to the children of God. First thing, we find that he, he wrote the letter that he might encourage their continued spiritual growth. He wrote this letter, this second epistle, he wrote it that he might encourage them to continue to grow spiritually, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. Secondly, we see that he wrote this that they might be watchful, that they would, he would encourage their watchfulness against deceptive and false teachings and teachers. Quite often in the letter, he references false teachings and false prophets. The third thing we can observe that his aim would be is that he was encouraging their steadfastness in Christ until he returns. That they would hold fast and maintain until Christ returns. So we, if we look at his aim, the aim of the letter, then we then go back and look at what led up to what we just read today what was happening until that point? And what did Peter say? What did he do leading up to that? If we go back and look at the text, the, the text leading up to our focus text for the day, one of the first things you find that he does is that he affirms. He affirms the believers. So we see him in, 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 in verse 3 of chapter 1. He, he tells the believers that they have all things, that God has given them all things that pertain to life, and watch this now, godliness. That he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So he affirms the fact that we have the power to live this life. Then he also then uh, encourages them that we are, he, he affirms the fact that we are partakers of God's divine nature. By being born again, we are born into this new nature in Christ. He says that in, in verse 4 of chapter 1, where he says we are partaker, partakers of God's divine nature. Then he moves to encourage the believers, because in verse number 5 through 7 of chapter 1, he says, he, said, he tells them to add to your faith. Here's important. It's important for us to understand this, because most of us come to God and we say, hey, I've got my faith. But Peter, encouraging their growth, says, add to your faith. He, and he lists some things. He says, add to your faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and add to your faith some love. He says that he encourages them to grow, to keep adding to faith. He also encourages that if we do add these things that he lists. He says, you will not be barren in your journey with God. You will continue to bear fruit. You will be fruitful in your walk with Christ if you would do these things. If you would, if you would actively grow in these areas, you'll be fruitful in your walk with Jesus. But he says, however, if we do not add to our faith and grow, We'll, be, we'll become short-sighted and even to the point of blindness and even in some cases forget that we've ever been changed. I've been changed. 
It's one of my favorite songs. Oh, Lord, I've been changed. Oh, I've been changed. Yes, oh, I've been changed. He says, but if we don't add to faith, we become short-sighted. Only see what in front of me. Only concern what I feel right now rather than understanding that I've been changed and I'm being changed day by day. Then he moves from encouraging them to challenging them. This is all leading up to our text today. He challenges them to be diligently, diligent in their confirming and their affirming of their salvation. He says, do all diligence to make your call and your election sure. Be sure you were born again. Know that you've been born again. And I'm not talking about walking around with, with your chest out. I got, I got, I got a, 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 a affirmation of my salvation. Walking around as one who exhibits the change that comes with knowing Jesus. And taking inventory to say, wait a minute, nothing's changing, Jesus. And you said that I would be a new creation in you if I'm in you. So he says, do all diligence to make your call and your election sure. Then he exhorts them. In verses 12 and 13, he says, as long as he is alive, he says, I'm going to continue to remind you of these truths. But then he encourages them with this because he, he's recognizing he's older. He says, but I'm writing all this down that I might leave it for you, that you would have a continual witness of these things. Then, right before he gets to where we are, he moves into his warnings. He warns them against cunning and crafty false teachers and teachings. And he advises them to stay alert, stay watchful and attentive. That brings us down to where we are here in chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. But there, are, there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. A heresy is something that goes against common understanding of Scripture. Or a heresy is something that does not align with Scripture, but that uses Scripture to make its point. Hear this now. Heresy is something that doesn't align with Scripture that uses Scripture to make the point. You missed it. Heresy is something that doesn't align with Scripture that uses Scripture to make the point. Because here's what you need to understand. The best line, I'm not trying to train any liars in here. Just know that. I'm giving you this cue, but I'm not doing it as training. I'm saying this, that the best lie has some truth in it. Because the part of it that is true is what draws us in. It's the other things because it says secretly adding things in. And even at times denying Christ. 
there's, there's something that's happening, and I want you to be mindful of this. There's something that's happening that, that speaks of the spirit of Satan, and it is this idea of elevation. Elevation. So it happens like this, and it, and it, and it, it comes from this idea in our society of, of always trying to have more. So you have what happens. Someone says, hey, God called me as a deacon. I love God. I'm serving him. But now he's elevated me to minister. He's now elevated me to pastor. And now he's now elevating me to prophet. He's now elevating me to bishop. He's now elevating me to apostle. What, what comes, what's the next elevation after apostle? Christ. And Jesus says in the last day, if you go back to the first part of, of Matthew chapter 24, he says, many false Christ will rise up. Here it is now, here it is, and deceive many. All this idea of elevation, because here's how God says, he says, humble, not elevate, humble thyself before the mighty hand of God, and he exalts you in due time. Not going to get you a white robe, and big chair. Blessed thou, daughter. Because if we understand Bible, we understand bishop is overseer. What are you overseeing? An apostle is someone who has been with Christ. I got you. I got you. Come on in. You're talking about, you say, man, but what about fivefold ministry? What about it? Because he says some apostles, some prophets, some teachers, some pastors, some evangelists for the working of the, for, the, for, the, for the equipment of the saints to perfect the ministry, right? Stop for a minute. He includes apostles in the list because he was one. And the others was, there were others that were still alive. Now, can God raise up an apostle that he can? He absolutely can. But an apostle would be one that would be with God, be with Christ. Paul on the Damascus Road, Jesus comes and visits him, calls him, makes him an apostle. But it would also be someone who would have a special assignment. Not a special chair, special ring and a big cross around your neck, a special assignment that when you go into places where demonic forces are running rapid, that they will know who you are. Because here's what happened. The demon said, Paul we know, Jesus we know, but who are you? See, if you're an apostle, demons know who you are. Not the church and the, the folks in the church. The demons know. I'm deep down there. Let me come up. Come on out. Let's go. Preacher. That leads me to point number one. Point number one. Noah maintained a faithful fellowship 
with God. And please help me, help, let me, let me say this, because I I, I, I'm not trying to harm anyone. I'm just trying to give you the truth, and the Lord gives me, give it to me this way. This is how I share it, okay? I'm not trying to harm anyone, disparage anyone, just speaking the truth in love. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go on. So, point number one, Noah maintained a faithful fellowship with God. We go back and look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. He says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Here's the key. Perfect in his generations. Note, there's an S. Because it speaks of his continual walking. The NIV says it this way. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So, so when we see here Noah, even though everyone around or there was widespread corruption, Noah continued to walk in fellowship with God. He didn't allow the societal pressures to cause him to begin to try to figure out how he could mix the two. Several weeks ago, matter of fact, it's been a few months ago, Pastor Smith shared a sermon and he had some water and oil. And he shook it up. And it looked like it mixed for a while. But as time began to go on, they separated back out because light and darkness, just like oil and water, just don't mix. So Noah maintained this fellowship with God, even when there was widespread wickedness, corruption. Point number two, Noah's life exemplified obedience to God. One of the great challenges that we face today is responding to the will of God. Because we do live in a society with all the things we've, said, we've, we've, we've heard, we also live in a society of comfort. Everything's so casual, so laid back. And as I say that, and I'm, I'm not in the suit today, but it's a dress shirt and some dress pants. But I mean that we have so many things that just are not a big deal that really are a big deal. And then when God is prompting us by the Holy Spirit, the challenge that we run into is found in our pocket. How many here has, has a cell phone? Every hand, even that, that infant, she got it. She... Everybody got a cell phone, right? So it used to be like this. You go to the church and God speaks a word to you, and it brings conviction. You say, you know, I, I need to do better. I got to do better, God. While you're sitting there, you say, yes, Lord, I got to do better. I'm sorry. I should have done better. I, I need to do more. It used to be that thing would bug you all night. You drive home. You go in. You, go, you, 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 you clean up. You're like, man, I need to do better. You can't sleep at night. Laying there thinking about it, I need to do better. But the challenge now is, the Lord speaks, 
he, he's calling upon you to do something or to rise up in something. Because, but you're using your Bible app. So you got to look at your phone, right? But just as that Holy Spirit begins to work, you get a ping, ping. I know she didn't. And you try to be, you try to be dignified, okay. And I know, I, I, I can tell it's shifted. You, 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 you worry in, you like, amen, pastor. So now you can't wait to get to the car so you can follow up on it. And then in following up, you find out that not only did she ping you, but she, she posted it on Twitter. And you're like, oh, whoa. Before you know it, it's time for bed. You hadn't thought about it again since you were sitting right there. So then it takes longer for God to get to us because he has to keep working through all the things that distract us. Which is why we have to exemplify a lifestyle of obedience because when you are set to be obedient to God, you look for him to give you some instruction. God gives Noah the assignment because it said he was already walking with God. And he was looking to obey what God said. Here's what it says about Noah. In six, chapter 6, verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him to do. So he did. That's verse 22 of chapter 6. Verse 5 of chapter 7, he says, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him to do. See, Noah was living this life. He says, God, I got some ideas of how I should do what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it like you told me to do it. Verse 15 and 16 of chapter 7 says this, And they went into the ark, to, uh, they went to, to, they went into the ark with Noah, two by two, all the flesh which was in, 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 that breathed life, so those that entered male and female, all the flesh went in as God had commanded him, talking about Noah. The Lord shut them in. He was intentional about being obedient to what God says. Now, I want to bring this in for you because I'm almost done. Because sometimes we detach obedience from love. We can say with the best of them, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. We sung earlier, I give myself away. It was titled a love medley. So you can use me. But notice something that Jesus says. He says this in John chapter 14, verses 15, and I want verse 21 as well. The gospel of John. Chapter 14, verse 15 and 21. Not 15 to 21, 15 and 21. He says this in 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. He says it real simply then. The first time he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's just verse 15. You slide down to verse 21. Look what he says. 
He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. He says, I will show you great things in me when you exhibit your love by being obedient. You love me. Keep my commandments. Because here's something that you need to understand. Noah moved by faith. Can you imagine God calling you and say, hey, build a boat. You never built one. And not just a boat, not a canoe. You know, not something you're going to go out there, you, you and your friend, y'all. No, he, he said build a ship. Wait a minute, wait a minute. With three levels. But don't go down to the dock. Go, don't, don't go down to the shipping yard. Right here, Noah. Inland. Build a ship. Wait a, sec- wait a second, because surely he was ridiculed and mocked. Like, oh, Noah had lost his mind. <laughs> what he on over there? I mean, oh, man. The man is building a boat. But he's building over there, look. Because the writer of Hebrews says that Noah moved by faith because he had been divinely warned that water was coming. He built an ark because God gave it to him to do. What is God calling upon you to do? What has he been asking you to do and challenging you in to serve in his kingdom? And you keep talking about how things don't seem to add up. I just don't have the time. I would, I would, but I just don't have the time. I would, but you know, I got some other things that I need to do first. Jesus did not say, hey, Father, today ain't the day for dying. I got some other stuff to do. You know, I'm only 33. Why don't you come back and see me? Come back and see me with this dying thing when I get to about 65. I got so much more life to live. No, he says, nevertheless, not my will. Your will be done. I close with this this last point. Noah preached right relationship with God. Righteousness is, by definition, speaks of right relationship with God. Noah's preaching that, but notice this. He's preaching and building. We know him as a builder because Noah built the ark with his family. But he also is preaching and building. Oh, I got you now. Because I know you're busy. You got a lot on your plate. You got a you busy, man. I got to get my career thing going on. He said, wait a minute. Noah still preached while he built. You can still do both. You can serve me and get it done while getting the work done as well. 
because when we think about Noah, we see this. Knowing that the flood was coming, Noah was moved to action. Here's what I would say to you. Knowing that Christ is coming, how is God moving you to action? If what we're doing in our discovery through this sermon series is speaking to the return of Christ, what is it that you're supposed to do for him? Do in him before he returns. So my responsibility as pastor and teacher is to preach the word. As I charge you in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, he says, I charge you, therefore, for God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead and is appearing in this kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But, incur, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will hear, heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to fables. But here's what he says to Timothy. He said, but you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. And here's what he says, and do the work of an evangelist. Jesus, when he left, he left his disciples with an assignment. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The key that we all have to doing that is the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, both to will and to do of God's good pleasure. He ends that, Paul ends that to Timothy by saying this, fulfill your ministry. See, if we're all striving and desire to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, the question is, the servant is only good because he's faithful. See, God doesn't expect for you to be perfect. He doesn't expect for you to know it all and do it all and, have, and be the very best at it. He just expects for you to do the best that you have with it and in it. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.